What's good, everyone? Welcome to Geeks Who Watch Football. I am your host, Jeff Jackson. Today's episode, I'm going to be joined shortly by the coach, Bobby Cesarano. This one's going to be a little bit of a different episode, but before I explain, thank you to everyone for listening. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your um, podcasts. On addition, I also post this on the Facebook page, Geeks Who Watch Football, and on my Twitter account, at MadTitan1018, so you can follow me there as well. Thank you to everyone for listening. Be sure to leave a like, leave a review. It's how we help keep the show getting better and better. And, you know, also where we want to focus the show, because right now it's very broad. It started with just covering football and video games. Then we added in the Marvel element to it, you know, with film reviews and stuff like that. So if there's anything specific you want to focus on, just let me know. Either, like I said, on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Um, once again, this, this is Geeks Who Watch Football. I'm going to be bringing the coach on. This one's going to be focusing a little bit more on the Dolphins. Later next week, I will be having Paul Thompson join me again. We'll discuss the future of the Bills and all that stuff. But since I'm a Dolphins fan and since most of the people listening are AFC East fans, usually I know there's a few Pittsburgh fans out there to listen as well, but most of the fans are New England Patriots, Bills or Jet fans. So this is a Dolphins rant of going into, even though this was just one loss, the blowout loss, the Miami Dolphins suffered at the hands of the Buffalo Bills, making them, I believe, one and eight now against the Buffalo Bills. So the Miami Dolphins got blown out 35 to nothing. We're going to bring the coach on because if you've been following the podcast since the NFL draft back in April, we had concern. This is why Bobby and I did not give the draft above a B grade. I think I gave him a B minus because we don't feel like this helped the team catch Buffalo. It helped improve areas of strength already and fortify in depth in key areas, but the offensive line was still trash. And before I get into it, like I said, we'll bring in Bobby to talk about it. But I just want a quick summary. Uh, I'm also going to be doing a video game review episode coming up with Emma. She's going to be joining me. We're going to be going over some horror games. Uh, in addition, I am playing through Mass Effect as well for the retro gaming podcast part, uh, whatever part we're on at this point. <laughs> so thank you to everyone for listening. I'm going to bring the coach on and hope you enjoy. Again, for the TED Talks version of Dolphins fandom, I have the coach Bobby Cesarano on with me. So Bobby, how are you doing after this loss? I feel like it was a funeral. I feel like I needed a day of no texting or talking about it. There was the angry stage, and then there's the distant stage, and then there was the, you know, acceptance and move on. I mean, I wasn't shocked by it. I wasn't expecting Miami to go undefeated or to run the table in the AFC East. No. So, I mean, I know what they are. They're above 500 football club. And I mean, I don't have Super Bowl expectations for him. Nope. So, so yeah, the loss of, for those who have been living under a rock, Miami played the Bills. They started out one and zero, and then they went into Miami and they lost thirty-five to nothing. Tua Tagovailoa got hurt. News today broke that he has fractured ribs, so he will miss at least three to four weeks. Which, for people looking at the schedule. We have the Vegas Raiders next week. They have following the Raiders. They have the Colts, and then I believe the Buccaneers. So he would be looking at coming back for the Jacksonville game, I believe, which is the following week. So Jacksonville, I think, is who they play week six or seven. So it is what it is at this point. I know Jacoby Brissett can hold the fourth down. He's not going to light it up. 
I think he's an average starter, but that once again, as a backup, you could do far worse. We could have an unproven rookie. We could have Reed Sinnott playing. So I'm kind of happy with at least Brissett playing, but I'm also disappointed because Brissett was getting his head caved in. And I don't know about you, Bobby, watching that game. I'm like, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to get knocked out. <laughs> like He was taken. He got pressured. I think they said 28 times. I mean, it was, it was definitely a possibility. It like he was getting me. popped. And so it wasn't just Tua. I mean, the only positive to take away from this game is it isn't just Tua for all the national media has been stirring that pot. And I know you and I haven't been saying this. And like, it's like I know you said you were expecting them to lose too. So was I. Last week I predicted they would lose. I didn't think we'd get shut out, but I projected we would lose by, I think, double digits. I think I had like a 35-17 or 35-14 final score. We so shouldn't, close, have, we but shouldn't I have got shut out. No. coaching. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the takeaways from that game, and I think you could walk us through it too, I feel like, Bobby, there is all those plays where they should have kicked the field goal, especially at the end of the first half. You're down 14 nothing. Your defense is keeping you in the game. I mean, they got burned early, but they did settle in nicely and came away with a takeaway. I know Xavier Howard had a bad touchdown he gave up, but then at least he made up for it with a pick. Oh, but he wanted to get more money. Yeah. <laughs> He's had a uh, – and uh, they had a stat. That's the one thing the Dolphins' defense can hold their hat on is I think they lead the league in active uh, takeaway streak. I think it's like 24 games straight with a takeaway. Not that it's all on Xavier Howard. It's on the whole team. But, yeah, the run it, – it did not start off well, and the defense did settle in. But the offense, I feel like they should have taken points. And uh, what are your thoughts on – like like I said, there was like, what, three fourth and twos? It wasn't even like fourth and inches. They had like three pass plays and a running play. And they came away with Zippo. And I feel like 14 to six, assuming they kicked the two field goals, is a lot different ball game at halftime going in down by one score. Yeah. I mean, Miami had potential to go 14 to six or 14 to nine. Yep. But with their play calling, I just think it was just really bad play calling. Um, like, I don't know. It's fourth and two. You got you to gotta address how the game is going. Like, clearly you're not pushing for a yard or two yards. So, the run game's probably not there. You know you're not blocking well up front yep. as a pass. So, I mean, just take the points at that point. It changes the dynamic of the game, too, when you have those points instead of not having those points. So, there's that. So, mm-hmm. once you do that, like, so Miami stopped him in the second half. Like, it wasn't out of reach yet. Nope. So 14-6, 14-9, we get the ball back. Yep. We bring it down. We can also kick field goals still, and it's still within reach. I mean, once you – Even if you lose the game, like you said, it's a different feeling. It makes Buffalo tense up a little bit of, oh, crap, if we have this turnover, it makes them tense up a little bit too. Because offensively, and I know Paul will give his thoughts and he'll say – he agrees with me that Buffalo and to give credit to Buffalo, they owned us. They show that they, they have always owned us at least for the last three years. They are, they're like one and six against us yeah. or they're like, actually, I think it's uh, we're one and six against them. Not one and seven given the loss. But um, I feel like Buffalo offensively did not look good. They looked ugly. It was uh they played, uh, that's two weeks in a row for Buffalo. They play ugly bills. Fans would agree. They are not happy with their offense defensively. I think Buffalo's fine. I think they were fine last week too. They had a game plan to beat Pittsburgh defensively, their offense just. So I think for Miami's sake, Miami did play them pretty well defensively, which I was shocked. I think they played well, but like you said, I think, and this is what frustrates me to no end is offensively. And I think you could touch on this better than me. 
offensively, it seems to me, Bobby, that their schematic, what they're designing doesn't match what their talent is. No. But they are not a power, and you could touch on this more so than I can. If your offensive line is struggling, and what's the point of running an RPO if you don't have a threat of the R? Yeah. All it's um, doing is adding an extra second for the defensive lineman to get there. Like I said, I'm no expert, and the only plays we were hurting them on were plays the Waddle and Gasecki. Yeah. The two mismatches, and we failed to exploit it. I mean, watching the game, clearly the best players in the game were Waddle and Gasecki, and for some reason they were forcing it to – Albert Wilson, who just dropped balls, and two in a row, right off the Hakeem bat. Grant, who fumbled, <laughs> fumbled it. And the other thing that bothers me is, why are you calling pass routes that are behind the sticks? Yep. It makes no sense to me. If you're going to go for a first down and try and pass it, everyone should be at the sticks or past the sticks. Correct. Behind. So that just is unbelievable to me. And then the other thing is, why are you not bringing an extra tight end in to block? We have five tight ends on our roster, too. Like, clearly, Gaskin is unable to pick up protection. It was yep. very clear as Tua's ribs were broken in half. Yep. Like, change the play call. Stop going four wide. That is not your strength. Yep. It's equivalent to – It's. I don't know. It's equivalent to the Ryan Tannehill situation where they tried making him this – like passing quarterback guru and he's not nope and clearly ryan Tannehill's i don't want to say flourishing because i still think he's not that good but like they at least cater to him yeah but like a running back behind him giving him all those yards and getting relief off of him plus keeping it in tight not spreading it out all the time Mm -hmm. like i think you have to address that like to a needed protection but you're not going to bring in extra protection you're going to spread them out more it just doesn't make sense to me and we have the tight end personnel to run it we have durham smythe who's a blocking tight end right. we have adam shaheen who's a blocking tight end it's not like we right. don't have i understand gasecki can't block but like you said then you run two tight ends you have gasecki and durham smythe gasecki or you put or, or put gasecki as a slot I yep care. i don't care put yep. him as a receiver and then put two tight ends that can block like yep. buffalo does that buffalo yep pack in people i've seen them do it they'll pack people in and they'll give extra protection for josh allen yep because they have no running game either why they can't do it in miami like what is the disconnect and like i said i'm not an nfl coach by any means but i know you know a lot more than all the armchair gears here though all all the armchair gms you know a lot more than (laughs) i mean you know this is fundamental football i feel like though like you said this isn't just and i know You've been preaching it, but I see analysts and stuff who played the game too are saying the same thing. Like, this is fundamental football. This is not hard. Right. Like, it's what's frustrating. Obviously, the offensive – this is a game where you just flush the tape in a way of the sake of – if we talked about the positives, it'd be a lot quicker. It'd be like two minutes. But the negatives, because you had Waddle fumble upon – it's like it was a domino effect of everything that could go wrong went wrong. And kudos to the Bills. Like I said, they had a good game plan. And kudos to them for changing their game plan because I called it the Ooga Booga defense last year they ran where they just didn't even go 10 yards deep. They did not play that against us this game. They played nickel and dime. They did not, like you said, they were not they were not going to let us throw deep this time. And it's like, take what they give you then. They should be letting them run to the sticks. Like it, what, but they were giving us the Gasecki route. We should be making them pay with that. Right. I agree. They were giving it up. They were yielding it. 
and Miami failed to exploit. Like I said, and kudos to Buffalo, they changed their game plan. You know, it's just we failed to exploit it. And I like you said, even if we kicked field goals, we might have still lost that game. But it's just the personnel is baffling. Why Jakeem Grant is even on the field is baffling to me. We have seven receivers on our squad. You already know what Jakeem Grant is. He is a top five punt and kick returner in the league, and that is it. You do not want him running routes. Right. Leave him out there because he's basically your guarantee so Waddle doesn't get hurt. You don't have returning punts. I also don't want Grant to make, like, game decision type routes either. Like, games on the line, he's running some sort of – garbage drag slant that's behind the sticks and he fumbles because he's got to get extra yards yep and he's not big he's like five foot two so he's not really five two but he's like five six 180 so it's like no he is not the ideal guy for that like you said i feel like they each have their strengths like waddle is clearly i mean kudos to the team for drafting him because like i said i liked him like waddle looks yeah exactly i mean that's the one positive we want to touch on that is what you see from i think waddle's it it's only been two weeks but I know I mean, you were the one texting me too. Like you see a lot. Like I think he's the real deal. I think he's he was a good pick. Obviously, he had that mess up where he fumbled the punt return. Yes. But my thought is, why is he even out there for a punt return when you have Jakeem Graham? Yeah. Right. I mean, was Waddle even supposed? Why? Again, let's go back to just fundamental coaching. Why are you putting a rookie in that type of situation where he has to get that punt and you can't have him mess up? Yep. And his first ever punt return, too. First ever punt return. I know he returned punts in the preseason, but it's like Jakeem Grant is literally top three. That's the only thing Jakeem Grant can do is return punts and kicks. And he's pretty good at it. He just can't catch a football. Like, he can return punts like no end. So, like you said, like, why in that situation – I get Waddle, he can do both, and he could be electric at returning punts. Yeah, he's an athlete. I'm not disagreeing with that. But but this wasn't the game to do that. When, obviously, everybody's butt cheeks were tight, and this was a big game, I would not put Waddle to the Wolves like that. You save that type of shit for Jacksonville, or you save that type of shit for when you're up to experiment. Yeah, I mean, I have a a game-changer guy, but he can't catch punt or kickoffs in the air. Like, he struggles. So I don't put him back there. I put someone else that can catch the freaking ball, and then he can make a play. It's a mindset, for sure. It's, it's not hard. <laughs> it, like, there's plenty of teams that do it. I mean, they did it at first. Kansas City even did it with Tyreek Hill. They had Tyreek right, Hill. They have Nicole Hardman now. Nicole Hardman does all their punt returns. Yeah. Tyreek Hill can do that, though. He could. They just don't because they don't want him getting hurt. So they're right. like, screw this. We got another fast guy who can catch the ball and return punts. You know, so that's what they do. I'm all for if they eventually want to delegate it to Waddle, that's fine. Cause I do think Waddle, you know, turn it around. But like you said, he's such a big part of your offense, especially with Will Fuller not playing. You needed him out there in ride receiver. Like, so Jakeem should be full-time kick and punt returner until you get uh, Fuller back, you know? So Fuller yeah. is going to play next week from his one week hiatus of whatever the fuck right. he was doing. He can go screw. <laughs> I'd be done. Him too. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck you know out there it's kind of a i know a lot of dolphin fans aren't happy with them i'm not either it's too little too late i understand there's family or like it's one of those things where how hard was it to just if it is a family issue to have brian flores come out and say he's dealing with a family issue and then none of us would say anything we'd be like oh somebody because i know his mother has issues and she's out in philly if he's like yeah he's up in philadelphia right now with his mom everyone would just be like oh okay but when he phrases it like yeah he's got stuff it's like well (laughs) what type of stuff is it He's clearly not hurt because you got to put that on the injury report. 
He's not in violation of PED suspension again because he'd be gone for the year, not a week. Right. Because this is his, what, this would be a second warning. So he would be suspended for the year if he gets caught. So I, I don't know. I could tell, like I said, I know we're going into the game on that one, but my takeaway is the same thing as you. And obviously I wanted, that was like only part one of it. Obviously for those listening, Bobby and I both predicted this game to be bad, but Miami Buffalo tends to have Miami's number. But for those saying this is just one loss, it's, it comes down to if you've been following us since after the draft, Bobby and I were not happy with the draft. We were not happy with the free agency moves. We were not happy with the rumor disconnect between Flo and Greer. We were not happy about three offensive coordinators in three years. Like there's, and we can get into the weeds more, but that's like an overview for people listening. Like this is something where the chickens come home the roost, so to speak of, you know, like I said, we can dive into it. But before we do that, I figured, like I said, obviously we beat New England barely in an ugly win, right? So we're in a three-way tie for the first place between us, the Patriots, and the Bills because we're all one-on-one, right? right? Um, do you see, and obviously Jacoby Brissett is it going forward for at least the next three weeks, at minimum three weeks. Um, I think it's going to be four, like I said. I think they're going to put him in because that would be mean to put him in against Tampa. But um, yeah. do you think – I personally think we turn it around, but like you said, I – predicted early on i think i'm sticking with my prediction i predicted us to start three and two yeah you know what i mean right above 500 i predicted us to beat the raiders and colts but lose badly to tampa but if we beat if we somehow lose to the raiders then i would say okay we're gonna upset tampa or something like i just saw it somehow some way falling three and two now could we go two and three sure but i don't know if you were in the same line of thinking like i just think we're gonna hover when two gets back right around that just above 500 no, I haven't. I mean, with Jacoby Brissett, I don't think – I don't know. I don't like Jacoby Brissett that much. I think he'll get you a split. If we had two, I'd be more confident against – we're not beating the Tampa Bay Bucs. It's not happening. No. <laughs> um, that's without – like, I don't even need to think about that. Their defense is unbelievable. They would just destroy somebody. So, if they Especially put two offense. back, again, in that game, that just proves to me how stupid the coaching staff is. Well, and the hope with Tua for people saying, well, right now, even if they're the same, which they're not, because I have a stat for people to show that they're different. Tua is developing and is a young quarterback. Jacoby Brissett ain't getting better. He's what he is at this point. Yeah, he's Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, you're getting what you have. There's no development there, just like with Fitzpatrick before. Like, you know what you're getting with that player. You know what they are at this point in the league. Um, it The Miami Dolphins this past game, this is what you're going to laugh about. This is when Jacoby Brissett went into the game. The Miami Dolphins averaged 2.9 yards per pass and 3.6 yards per rush. So for people saying Tua was dink and dunk, that was Jacoby Brissett, not Tua. Right. But it, it, it clearly comes down to, in my opinion, the offensive line because he did take deep shots in the New England game. And to be honest, I don't care how they get the yards. He can dink and dunk all he wants. That's what the defense is giving you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Mahomes says dink and dunk games at times, too. I mean, Mac Jones, they said, is like a 2.5 average a yard attempt, but they're winning games. So, you know, but I don't know. I think the same thing. I think we will turn it around against the Raiders, even though the Raiders are surprisingly starting off hot with 2-0. and there's We the might lose to the Raiders. <laughs> you said we'll lose to the Raiders? We might lose to the Raiders. It's they're possible. pretty good. The only, the only hope we have is Josh Jacobs is hurt. So Kenyon Drake will be playing in that game. We have no run defense. And we don't have any run defense. No, you're right. And the only hope we have is if Derek Carr is hurt, which I don't think he's hurt, but I think he's going to play, if that makes sense. I think he's going to be fine. 
and he's going to play. Because I would laugh because Mariota is legitimately hurt. I think he has a fracture or something. Mariota is not playing. Yeah. If they actually played their back, it would be Nate Pagerman. <laughs> right. So I don't think – I think it's going to be Carr too. It, it just seems to me the Raiders are the type of team that would choke that game. Like they seem to be that type of team where they win the, the hard ones and then they yeah. – you know, this is the same team that beat Kansas City last year. It's like they're the one team that did and they – but you're right. They are a team that's designed philosophically to beat us in the sake of they have a great running game and they have an absolutely amazing tight end. Not number one, but definitely one of the elite three in Waller who made our safeties look bad. Yeah. But, but no, that's the Buffalo game. I The less talking about, the more, the better I think I'll feel. Like I said, if I don't drink Clorox or make it through this podcast before dying. But we both saw a blowout coming. And for people knowing, like, well, if it's just one loss, because there's a long season, there's 17 weeks, what's the big deal? Why are you guys reacting? And I figured we would take a short break and we come back. We'll talk about exactly why, because you and I, I think, are in the same boat on this. If you've been following us, we've been warning about this Buffalo exposure. This isn't just one loss, in my opinion. Yeah. This isn't just one loss. Like we've the, the, the reason we lost is what concerns us, not necessarily the loss. Because some teams, every team gets boat raced, even New England did back in the day. Right. But it's the fact of why and how we lost that's concerning, that other teams are going to take that tape and just start drilling at home, and you're going to see a pattern develop here. Right. But, but, yeah, we'll take a quick break and come back, and we'll continue to soapbox of – basically what we think is the flaw with the Dolphins so people can be warned and we can say the I told you so when it goes, you know, in the next three weeks. Yeah. And we're back. So we covered what we thought about that pooper bowl a week ago. So we're moving on to the Raiders. But if you follow us closely, what we've been having, this is something that Bobby has touched on earlier and touched on in this game. This is a loss. You flush it in, as New England said before, Bill Belichick, we're on the Cincinnati while we're on the Raiders. But I have a problem, Bobby, with like two or three things with this team, and it's an alarming trend because three years ago, and when I talk about the trends, folks, I'm going to talk about Chris Greer, Brian Flores' regime. I'm not going to bring up Jay Fiedler. I'm not going to bring up Jimmy Johnson or Joe Philbin or any of that. I'm talking I miss, about – I the, miss Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> The Jimmy John, like, well, then we're going to get into there's one thing about those teams and even the Tony Sperano teams that I wish this team had. And, wow. and it's, I don't know, Bobby, it's just schematically, I don't like the way this team is coached. And defensively, I'm fine with it, even though we can't stop a nosebleed for the run. I'm going to focus for this case on the offense of, are we really in the best position for any young quarterback? Like, and not just to uh, put Herbert back there, put Joe Burrow back there, take your pick, Dak Prescott, year one, take whoever, you know what I mean, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. And I'm like, looking at the offense, I think it's schematically flawed. Like, you have a team that, under what circumstance, there's no consistency on, like we said, we've had three offensive coordinators in three years. This year, we have two offensive coordinators, one run game coordinator, one pass game coordinator, which people say that happens. <laughs> and what's his name? Uh, McCown is the one putting the plays into Tua's ear. So they both tell McCown it, and McCown relays it to Tua. So he has one voice in his ear instead of three. And I don't. I just think it's set up for failure because I say to people, most coordinators that have that are like Kyle Shanahan, and people are like, what's the big deal? I'm like, Kyle Shanahan calls the plays, though. 
Right. Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator. Brian Flores is not. Right. Andy Reid does it. Defensive guy. Exactly. Andy Reid does it. Yeah, but Andy Reid calls the plays. Right. Andy Reid meets with these coordinators beforehand. He doesn't have them calling the plays on game day. Right. They come up with a series of plays, and Andy Reid decides from there where to go with it. Yeah, that's why the enemy won't be a head coach ever. You know, and I'm sure in um, high school and college you see it sometimes, where it's like, yeah, there's a coordinator for that type of stuff of, like, what plays, design, runs, and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's one voice. Yeah. Because how are you going to decide? I think right. that's set up for failure. I also think this offense is incredibly young. It's mostly made up of first- and second-year players with no defined veterans. Like, under what circumstance with our offensive line of mostly rookies and second years – so you're asking a quarterback to go into a first, second-year offensive line with no power running back. Your biggest running back is 180 pounds, which is Gaskin. Ahmed's even less than that. He's like 160. And, yes, Devontae Parker's a receiver, but there's no leader on that receiving core to help. And they're asking a young quarterback, not just Tua, take Tua out of it, to go in there, be in charge of protections, be in charge of audibling the play, and – having less than two seconds to throw, his average time to throw is 1.9, which is absolutely atrocious. 2.8 is the average in the league. So you're asking him to make this decision under two seconds, change protection, slide protection, and also captain to throw the ball 30 times and, you know, help the team win. That seems to me, Bobby, way too much pressure to put on a quarterback, whether it be Tua or even Peyton. You would put that type of draw on Drew Brees in his prime. Not even Drew Brees young, like, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady can handle that. I would even say, like, younger quarterbacks like Dak Prescott couldn't do that right now. Like, am I wrong for thinking, like, it just seems like Flores is putting, like, I just don't see the continuity here. I don't see the identity on this offense. I it's like they're just hoping on the quarterback to bail him out. The The offensive scheme is just not good. Like, I'm fine with Tua, like, identifying blitzes and making audibles and doing that type of thing. Like, that's going to be his job. I'm okay with him doing that. But, like, they're not putting him in a place to be successful. If you're going out with trips left and one receiver to the right with just a running back to block for you, that's not helping anything. Like, that's not their skill set. He's not a drop-back passer, throw around, do whatever you got to do. He never did that in college. No. In college – they're an, they're essentially a pro offense, but they ran the ball. They ran a shit ton of the ball. Mm-hmm. All years with him, he's run play action. That's it. RPO is probably his best play action, and that's sure. what we, we need. A, and that's how we scored yep. against the New England was using RPOs, and I'm absolutely okay with that because that's based off his skill set, run or pass. That's fine. I don't care about that. Like I was completely okay with what we did against New England. We didn't do it enough. They like did it a couple times, and they want to go back to traditional nonsense. So they need to stop trying to get. They need to stop being fancy and just give them what the is your guy's skill set. Yep. Um, he was he was widely regarded as one of the best RPO quarterbacks in college football for the like you were saying at Alabama, and they did have multiple first round picks. They also like not even first round picks, high round picks. They had Damian Harris, who's now running for the Patriots. They had Derrick Henry who is now running for the Tennessee Titans and over everybody. They had Najee Harris, who was a first-round pick for the Steelers. Right. They had a dominant running game and speeds their wide receivers. It just seems to me, like you said, like schematically they're not setting him up for success. It seems to me like 
last year they had Chan Gailey who never developed a young quarterback in his life. Like, like you said, to me, it's not hard if you, if, cause they knew Brian Flores, when he came in, knew they were going to draft a young quarterback, whether it be Justin Herbert, whether it be Tua Tungavailoa, would be Joe Burrow, Jordan Love, throw a name out there. They were going to get a young quarterback. So why the, the process would be, why don't you, cause this is, seems to be the blueprint with every team, offensive line running back. That's priority number one, like for a young quarterback. You've seen it happen with Jared Goff. Even this past year, like, you know, uh, the L.A. Chargers, they signed Corey Lindsley, the center for jo- Justin Herbert. Their first round pick was Rashawn Slater, a tackle. Like the Dallas Cowboys, when they got Dak Prescott, they already had an established offensive line, but they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. Whether they overdrafted him or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that they believed in a strong running game. Like, I think that's a, especially like you said, a quarterback who was dominant in the running game in college. And that's why I think I was pounding the table for Dame or not Damian Harris. Wow. For, uh, for Najee Harris. Thank you for so hard because he was one, he had that chemistry with two. I don't care if you don't take a running back high, but they needed somebody who was familiar with the RPO who could at least keep a defense honest. And Najee fit that bill. And there was a couple others too. The kid from Clemson did and the kid from uh, North Carolina did, but, that's why I was so adamant about them taking anybody, even the, the Ramondre Stevenson, who the Patriots picked up in the third round from Oklahoma, yeah. was familiar with it. Like they needed somebody who could do that, and they didn't. So they have a no running game, no offensive line, and they're expecting Tua, like you said, to be what he's not. And it's almost like Brian Flores is still pouting over Justin Herbert. But I, even if the scheme fits Herbert better, Bobby, I would argue that he'd still be on his ass getting hit with this offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line's not good. And our receivers Austin aren't Jack- as good as the Austin Chargers. Jackson's not that great. Or if he's going to be great, it's going to be a little bit. The rookie we got from Notre Dame didn't even start. Nope. Um, so clearly they don't like him, I guess. Number 66, I don't remember his number. I don't remember his name, but I know he sucked. <laughs> I think it's Solomon Kenley. It's whichever Mike one. Kenley. I know Jesse Davis got benched or, or hurt because he's the one who got Dude, to Jesse Davis should never touch the field again. <laughs> well, he's, that- he's not meant to be. I always said this about Jesse Davis because he's not expensive. He was a free – he wasn't even drafted. He was an undrafted free agent. He should be your sixth guy. He should be your, oh, shit, our guard got hurt. He can swing in. Like, he's never – if he's a permanent starter on your line, you are up shit creek. He should never be a full-time starter. He should be your swing guy. Yeah. Just like Eric Flowers. Flowers should be your, oh, like, he's not on our team anymore. But for Washington, he was that. He was the back of the Sharif. It was, oh, if Brandon Sheriff goes down, he comes in. It's like, okay, fine. If you have him as a backup, I can live with that. But when you have Jesse Davis, not only as a starter, Bobby, but as your blindside protector, right? you're just asking to get him killed. And like you said, these guys might develop. You're right. It's just I haven't – you're putting a lot of faith in five offensive linemen to develop at the same time. Uh, They need to start investing money in the right spots. And that leads right into topic two, and you could start away with that one. Are they effectively, because you know the story of all the picks we've had in the full rebuild, have they been adequately using their resources that they've been provided by Ross? Um, you know what I mean? Draft picks, free agency money. I no. would say no. No, because if that was the case, then all the first-round picks that they had would be successful, and they're not. Yep. Those are all misses. I didn't, see, I didn't see Phillips in this game. 
I didn't nope. see him rushing like he's supposed to be this dominant rusher. Yep. So that's a wasted pick. That was Najee Harris. Yep. You let that go. That would mean that was stupid. I just um, feel like the the resources haven't been used, like you said. The fact that we still have problems, Bobby, with the offensive line. I think right now, and I don't like PFF, but they have our offensive line ranked thirty first, and I actually agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would it looks like it's on the field that matches it. <laughs> it's um, they. You think with how many, how much money we've had? Like we've averaged sixty million a year in free agency. We had countless first and second round picks. You think we would have the offensive line fixed, or at least on the right trajectory? I feel like our offensive line, Bobby's worse this year than last year. This, I agree. I think we've taken a huge step back. Miami doesn't have the same. They got rid of some of those got key guys. Ted Harris was our in. veteran center who's gone, which is fine. I'm fine with letting Harris go, but then you started a rookie center. Like I understand he's been on the team three years, but Michael Dieter wasn't drafted to be a center out of Wisconsin. He was drafted to be a guard, and they converted him to center over the season, over the summer this year. Well, I also think that's why we struggle on defense right now. They got rid of a lot of guys that they brought in on defense, like Van Oy, yep. like Shaq Lawson. Yep. Or no, not Shaq Lawson. Well, they got rid of Shaq, Shaq Lawson. Lawson too, but they got rid of what's-his-name, too. Oh, Jesus, there's another one. Like, they brought in Bobby a McKinney. lot of guys that can build a front seven and then make it tough, which is what I liked. Yep. And now – they got rid of those guys, and now there's holes, and now our defense isn't as tough as it used to be. No. In the defense, you can make the, the count that it's on par for the course, at least like in the middle. But like you said, offensively, we've taken a significant step back. In defense, you're still counting on Van Ginkle to develop into Van Noy. Like, he's not. And he's not. No, he's not the same skill set. I would we also actually. don't have any middle linebacker. No. Well, we did. We got rid of him, Bernardrick McKinney. We need a run-stuffing linebacker so bad. I don't care if they can't cover the pass. We need somebody up the middle, and it's not a Landon Roberts. I don't know why they brought a Landon Roberts back. We need a playmate. This is what I strongly believe in for any defense. You need a solid D lineman. You need an amazing middle backer, and then you need to have an outstanding safety. If you have, if you are that all the way up, and then you build around it, you're fine. Like Bobby, um, I can't think of his name. Oh, Jerome. Seattle's Baker. middle line. Oh, Bobby oh, Wagner. Uh, Bobby, like, Wag- Bobby Wagner is oh, a monster so in the middle. Oh, he's probably the best middle linebacker in football right now. And then I know San just, Francisco's kid's pretty good too. Warner, he's like probably up there too. And then just build around him. Yep. I don't understand why it's an issue. Panthers did it with Keekley. And right. Tampa Bay has done it. People forget they have two. They have Devin White, who they took top yeah. 10. And they took, they have what's his name too? Jesus, I'm brain farting on his name. The other one, the older one, Levante David. There it is. Yeah. They have two. Right. Pittsburgh's done it. They have TJ Watt. TJ Watt. Devin and they Bush. also have Devin Bush and they have Mika Fitzpatrick. That is a solid defense. Yep. Mika Fitzpatrick would have been great at safety and he was. But for some reason he bitched and complained with Flores, so they shipped him out. Yep. Which and I wouldn't mind if you replaced it with a correct player. And we replaced him with Austin Jackson. Now it seems that we have the one bright spot on our defense is, and like you said, you got to wait for him to develop, though that's the kick in the nuts, is Javon Holland does look good from Oregon. But once again, you've spent so many resources in safety. Like, it's one of those things where I agree with you. I don't think we've adequately used our resources because, and it, I, it's easy to say hindsight of what if, 
But to me, it doesn't make any sense of their logic here. Like, they clearly in last year's draft, going back this year to why you and I bitched about it so much, they took Jalen Waddle sixth, which is fine. Like I said, Waddle's going to look like okay the with it. But like you said, they took Jalen Phillips 18th, which in a weak defensive end class, I was not okay with. I felt like it was a reach. But what bothers me is in the second round, they traded up, giving up a second and a third round pick. It wasn't just they took him at second round pick. They gave up a second and a third round pick to take Liam Eikenberg, who they can't get on the field right now. And I like him. When I see him on the field, Bobby, he looks decent. He looked better than Jackson. But it's like it, you guys clearly identified tackle as a need because you traded up in the second round to get one. Well, why didn't you take Panay Suell? Or why didn't you take Sam Cosme or Tevin Jenkins? If you identified them as a need, the tackle position as a need, why did I think a tackle is a more glaring need than a safety defensive end, yeah. especially when you have a young second-year quarterback. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah, baffles the mind of, okay, well, like I said, Waddle looks like a good pick, but and I love Waddle, but it's like they have to – are they making the most of their free agency signings? They could have signed – I think, like you said, I think they needed a veteran on the offensive line. I understand developing rookies, but you need some veteran presence to at least tie it over while you have a rookie quarterback developing. Right. And, like, you could have signed Corey Lindsley from the Packers. You could have signed Joe Thune from the Patriots, who the Chiefs signed. You could have, you know – there was countless options out there. Right now, Mitchell Swartz is still out there, the right tackle from the Chiefs who got hurt. And when he's healthy, he's the best tackle in football. They just let him go because he was going to miss the first four weeks. Right. Like, I would sign Mitchell Swartz, if anything, just to be a veteran, better than Jesse Davis. Like, they needed a veteran presence. Or if they didn't want to go expensive on the center position, Mark Andrews and the Patriots was available. He ended up signing with New England for, I think, $6 million a year, $5 million a year. Like, it could have, and I like Ted Karras. I had beef with, but he was the veteran presence, at least the slide out protection. The problem yeah. is, and Mark Andrews is better than Karras because Mark Andrews was the starter on New England's. So mm-hmm. I would have seen, I would have preferred them sign that position, like get some veteran presence on the offensive line, and you had the money to do it. It's not like they were scrapped for cash, right? And draft capital, they had the resources to go get it. It's And it's not even me saying they needed a tackle. They're saying they needed a tackle because they traded up and took one in the second round when there was other better positions. And even still, the players I just named, not Panay Suell, you would have had to take him at six, but Tevin Jenkins and Sam Cosme all went around that range. I didn't see a big difference between the three of them. Is it worth giving up a third-round pick to get one that was equal? You know what I mean? That would be like giving up an additional first-round pick to take Jalen Waddle over Smith. Right. Like, did you really think there was that big of a difference? I would say no. Not to give up a huge pick, but it's one of those. I'm just extremely frustrated with the philosophy of how they're evaluating. And I don't even know if you know that. Like you said, it sounds like it's coaching, too. But if it's like a coaching discrepancy, like Flores wants them to run on fourth and two, these power run packages, but they don't have the personnel to do it. Like if they value it so much, why don't they get a running back then who can actually weigh more than 200 pounds? That's why I don't like Miles Gaskin. He can't pick up. I don't care if people throw that. He averages five yards a carry. Like, we haven't had a good running game since Jay Ajayi, consistent, I mean. like yeah, I agree. And before Jay Ajayi, it was the Ricky Williams, Ronnie Brown days of Tony Sperano in 2007. Yeah. 2008. You know, and Jay Ajayi, yeah, we ran him into the ground, but he was a consistent, you needed short yardage, he got it for you. And we had – 
that was a good stable of backs. That's when you have it legit. When you have Lamar Miller as a second back or Kenyon Drake as a second back, I'm uh, cool. And that's what Gaskin is to me, like those guys. I'm cool with Gaskin being the second back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm fine with Lamar Miller if he's your second back. If you're telling me Lamar Miller's your workhorse, I'm going to throw up. Oh, that's the problem. Like analysts all said, like Lamar Miller was a solid running back, and he wasn't. I knew he wasn't. I no. could see it the way he played. But ask Pittsburgh Steelers who they feared more, and they would tell you JJ. Right. When, when he was the prime JJ, not run down JJ. Right. But same as Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown, because at least Ronnie had the speed in the cans. I would say Ronnie was still a harder runner than those guys too. Ronnie could still run over a guy or two. He just wasn't like Ricky, who could just you know truck stick people. I miss but, Ricky Williams. <laughs> but I think it comes down to Bobby too. The other part is the philosophy of the team. Like every team you just named, it has a philosophy. Like Pittsburgh, we're not going to go through all thirty-one teams, but Pittsburgh believes in linebackers. Right. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, you know, that's what their philosophy is. They're always going to invest. They invested a first round pick in both Devin Bush and TJ Watt. And before that, they had Bud Dupree. Right. They yeah. invest in that position. They believe strongly in a good running game because before Najee Harris, there was uh, James, James Conner kind of sucked, but he wasn't supposed to be their main. It was Le'Veon Bell. Right. You know, and before that, they had Willie Parker and they had like uh, and obviously Jerome Bettis was way back. But they've always yeah. believed in a strong running game and they have good receivers. But it's kind of by coaching and development because they take these guys in the middle of the round and they just make them in the stars. But I'm fine with that because that's what they do. They develop right. guys at that position. Then you go to teams like, you know, I don't know, Baltimore, who believes in a strong running. Good. They always have two or three. Baltimore just believes have- in physicality. Yes, they always have beefy guys. You're never going to see a corner that doesn't tackle Yeah, Baltimore. Never, 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 never. Kansas City prioritizes speed. They want speed, separation, mismatches. They prioritize pass rush, getting after your guy like Frank Clark they signed, like, and they prioritize corners. I know they drafted Marcus Peters and they traded him, but they got another corner. They have Honey Badger at safety. Like They prioritize speed and ball like turnovers. Right. They have an identity. And they can do it, say, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to fit the scheme. They designed it around that. My problem is, Bobby, I don't like the philosophy of Miami right now. And it's not the philosophy of the Dolphins as an organization, but the philosophy of Brian Flores and Chris Greer, like it or not, they do not value the center position and they do not value running backs. Since we have yet to use more than a six-round pick on one and we have yet to spend more than $3 million on one. Yeah. The center position. Name me the last center we actually invested in. I can tell you who it was. It was Pouncey. And that was before this regime. It was the Tony Spir- uh, the Jeff Ireland, Tony Sperano regime. And we don't prioritize not just that. We don't pri- prioritize the running game. We don't prioritize the linebacker position. This uh, th- I can tell you what this team prioritizes. They prioritize safety, corner, and tight end. Yeah, which they're not really investing in the tight end at all because we'd have someone better. If they did that. Well, they had an opportunity to get Kyle Pitts, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, could have got the, you know, the game-changer tight end that we all know. Right. But, you know, it they go it, – it just seems to me, Bobby, that everywhere else they bargain basement. They bargain basement shop for offensive linemen. They bargain basement shop for, you know, linebackers, at least middle linebackers, I should say. Not outside, because obviously they paid Jerome Baker. But I even still think Jerome Baker is nice, Overpaid. but not worth – 15 million like jesus i'm like guys he had one good game against kansas city like he is not a coverage linebacker no he's not 
The other thing that bothers me is they don't change the defense up at all, the scheme. No. They just keep dropping back and just rushing four. Rushing four is not putting pressure on anybody. Send some blitzes. No. You're not covering anyone. Send some extra pressure. That also bothered me in the game. I, I just bring that up, but I should have. <laughs> well, you bring it up now, so it's <laughs> – it's. I don't know. It, it just bothers me. And they always say with, like, Chris Green, I don't know if what you're taking of it, it just seems conflicted to me. Like, their logic makes no sense. Like, Chris Greer came out and said, we don't believe in reaching for players, which is, like, the bullshit, like, tape recording. Everybody says that in the draft. You just take who's there. But then I would say to Chris Greer, Chris Greer, can you explain to me then the Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany picks? Or how about you just draft good players? How about that? Yep, because clearly – Austin Jackson is not a good player. Maybe he will be in 10 years, but he ain't the first two years. Man, and and I, as a coach, I just don't see development for him if you do right now. Like, I watch his USC tape, Bobby, and it looks the exact same of what he is now. Like, Probably. I don't see any improvement. I don't see – it just seems like he's lacking that physicality mentality. Like, I see him out of position more often than not chasing, and I see him give up way too often. I don't see that – like, Rob, some of our linemen have it. Robert Hunt does, where he's going to pancake somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see that. Like, I miss the old offensive line of when, even though they were bullies, like Richie Incognito, who would punch your face in and flip you. Like, yeah, he could be a dickhead, but him, Mike Pouncey, Jake Long, they were, you know, they'd yeah. run you over. Oh, no. We couldn't have Richie Incognito on our team. Oh, yeah, because of Jonathan it, Baby Martin, who's like, oh, God. But, and then you, you know what I mean? Like, that offensive line was rolling people, though, with Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown. The, the, the yeah. quarterback was the only thing holding us back there. But that 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 philosophy, I understand. Like, I know people say the Giants suck, and I agree. My dad tells me all the time, and he's a Giants fan. But their philosophy's fine. It's just they pl- pick the wrong players. Yeah. They're trying to get a running game. They just can't draft a tackle to save their fucking life but they're trying to get that Miami doesn't seem like they're trying to fix the problem. Now it's like, we're in the bed with it. Like people say, Oh, your offensive line sucks. Well, Bobby and I have been saying it sucks for how long, what's this going on now? Five, six years. It sucked. And it's with new regimes. So that's another thing that bothers me too. How do we have the same problems with different people? That's gets back to my final point too. Your nice transition is the the one seamless part of this. There's only one consistency because we have had different coaching staffs, different. I mean, Ross is the same, but Ross isn't telling them who to pick. You know, the the consistent part of this process, Bobby, is Chris Greer, who's been with the team since 2004. He hasn't been a GM, but he's been in the scouting community. He was a scout for Miami, got promoted up. Then he's been the only one still there. And I don't find a coincidence that, you know, we still can't draft an offensive lineman to save our fucking life. Like it, it's all this stuff. We still don't have the offensive line is still weak. We still haven't found a freaking answer for Dan Marino. You still haven't found ways to stop people on third down. Third and long, it's a first down every freaking time. Look at the Patriots. They converted what fourteen out of sixteen against us, or fourteen yeah. to seventeen. You still can't get guys to get to the fucking sticks. I've I've seen that for the past like five to five years to a decade like guys are just short on routes still can't I, I still don't send blitzes or change up any type of scheme like i just don't get it like it's the same thing with different personnel well and what i don't get is because i obviously flores is having a hand pick in this decision too is he picking the guy by himself no but i just 
I don't see where the disconnect is with these guys where it just seems to me like, like, I don't know what it is. Like, like you said, just take good players. And they took Noah Igbenogany. I'm going to drill that point home until Kyle's come home at 20, what, 28 or 29, two years ago. Why did we make that pick? Like, even if he's a stud, we had Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Right. It makes no sense. Why? We could have at that pick taken Antron Winfield Jr., the safety who's now playing for, you know, uh, Tampa Bay, who was in the rookie of the year discussion. And I'm not just saying him. We could have taken a running back there. Jonathan Taylor's pretty fucking good. Yeah. We could have taken – there was players on that board to be had. You know what I mean? And instead – and it bothers me because we took Austin Jackson at 18 and we could have traded up with the Colts and got Tristan Wirfs, who's a Pro Bowl right tackle now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who This was two years ago, by the way. It's like – you identify tackles a need. And the reason I say trade up with the Colts is because the Colts did trade back. They traded back with Tampa. So that's why I'm like, the pick was there for sale. I'm not just saying, go oh, trade off. I'm not one of those homers. I'm saying they traded back. So that pick was for sale. Right. Why didn't you get a proven commodity a tackle? Why didn't you get a proven commodity? It's almost like, you know what I mean, Bobby? Like they're bargain basement shopping. Like they identify tight end as a need because they don't think they're going to resign Gusecki or they don't want to, which is understandable. He's a glorified slot receiver. But, like, then why not take Kyle Pitts and said, no, let's take Hunter Long in the third round. Now, Hunter Long might be good, but like you said, like, what happens if he's man? Kyle Pitts is the next, you know, Travis Kelsey. It's like you could have, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they do this across the board. They bargain basement in the second and third rounds, and they're investing those first-round picks. One, and not good players, but two, guys Brian Flores wants. Like, do you really need – how many fucking safeties do you need to take with your first two-round picks? Like, they had Bobby McCain, who they made play safety, and they cut him after a year, which is fine. Like, Bobby kind of was bled, but he wasn't a safety to anyway. He was a slot corner. They moved right. him because, you know, they signed Eric Rowe. Fine. But then they drafted Brandon Jones in the third round out of Texas. And then the following year after that, they signed uh, Jason McCourty from New England this year. And they also drafted Javon Holland. Like, how many fucking safeties do you need? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It's this is yes. where all the resources are going it. to. And it's like, wouldn't fixing the offensive line be a bigger priority? Like, how about Brian Flores is like, oh, if this corner's mediocre. I'm going to upgrade it. It's like, well, Brian Flores, what about if my right tackle can't stop a nosebleed? Well, that's because they're too busy looking at these freaking trades to go get Deshaun Watson for like four first-round picks for the next four years. I was going to just mention that, too. Can you not tell me that that's what sabotaged their offseason this year? And I don't mean the draft. I mean free agency. Because if you notice, they were very quiet for the first two days. And then once the allegations leaked, then Will Fuller signed. Then they started signing people. And then you follow the rumors where they said if Deshaun Watson didn't have allegations, he'd be a Miami Dolphin. And they were trying to hold Stephen Ross hostage to trade for him. And Ross wouldn't sign off on it. Because could you imagine right now, Bobby, and if we did tra- – let's say we traded for Deshaun Watson to be – like whenever this point in time over the last three months. Because it would have been – and I'm throwing a hypothetical trade out there. You know what I mean? Just spitballing. Let's say it costs three ones, right? Could you imagine if we spent three first-round picks, Bobby, and he got hurt in this Buffalo game? Yeah. We had be done. Done. Yeah. And you can't tell me watching that game – and. Maybe, like you said, somebody's going to – they keep trying to tell you, the analysts, everybody, Watson, do you really think Watson's – like, I'm not saying Watson's not better than Tua right now. He is. But 
do you really think Watson would have made a difference in this Bills game? I don't. I no. think he would have scored points, sure, but we still would have got our asses handed to us. I don't think Watson's that good anyways. Well, I don't but think – that's my personal opinion. Yeah, well, and I know it's different types of plays. Like, Watson's problem is he is a runaround quarterback to make players miss, but the difference I'll tell people is he holds onto the ball too long still, so people bitch about Tua holding onto the ball too long. Wait till you see Watson. <laughs> You know, but it's I don't I like Watson, but I don't have him as top five like everybody else does. If that makes sense, oh, yeah. it's not worth it's not worth giving up. If you were to tell me Bobby to upgrade the quarterback position, if let's say Tua like breaks his clavicle and he can't go, yeah. I would rather personally sign a guy like Aaron Rodgers if it was me personally. Why? Because yeah. I think Rodgers is a better quarterback. Now, do I like his bullshit antics? No, but if we're strictly would... talking about talent. They should I'd be take Rogers after Rogers, you know. Yeah, I would take him. You know what I mean? Because then at least you're thinking Super Bowl. I don't think you're thinking Super Bowl with Watson. I think Watson just puts you into that. Yeah, you'll make the playoffs every year, but you're probably gonna get bounced in round one or two. Where yeah. I think Rogers, yeah, he'll only play for three more years, but you're really, in my opinion, at least, you're talking Super Bowl. Could you imagine Jalen Waddle with Rogers throwing it to him? Yeah, it'd be like, great. You know what I mean? Like you have a two-year window, like Denver did with Payton. That's right. at least my thought process on it of like you. And I'm not saying so. I'm not just being an anti anybody but to a quarterback. Like I said, if I'm going to go with one, I'd rather go with a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Now, I said Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson's another one, but I would still take Rodgers over him because Rodgers is one slightly cheaper and two still better. Yeah, but I agree. If you're going to go big, but if you want to go younger, I'd still go with Russell Wilson over Watson. The only reason Watson's being hyped up as much is because he's younger. If Russell Wilson was 25 or Aaron Rodgers 28, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Yeah, well, like Watson would be sitting around, and clearly other teams feel the same way you do, Bobby, because they would have traded for him already. Watson has a huge contract, I'm not taking that on. And I'm pretty sure the last time he was in the playoffs, he lost a 24 point lead. Don't yep. you're not beating Kansas City. What's the point of going for him? And let's be honest, when he beat Buffalo, and I'm gonna, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but I'm gonna defend Buffalo. It was sure shit, dumb luck he beat Buffalo because he literally got hit so hard, he bounced off the other guy and stayed upright. Buffalo's better now. Oh, yeah. I, I think Buffalo beats him now. The Buffalo, unfortunately, won't get the chance right now because he might even be in jail <laughs> and never right. play again. But I think Buffalo would trounce him right now. Even with Josh Allen having some struggles, like, they're a much better team than they were two years ago. Right. They're top three in the AFC. You could say it's them. You could say it's, you know, Kansas City, Baltimore, Cleveland. You want to throw in there even. I think Cleveland. Like, that's what I get with, with you and I. And I don't want to keep you here all night, but that's what it gets to. Like Bobby and I both predict them over 500. I don't know about you. I have them making the playoffs at like 10 and seven, but we get our like our fannies waxed round one. Like I don't think we're beating any because no. when people say, "Well, what do you mean we can win a playoff game?" Well, be realistic. If you make the playoffs, it's a wild card because you can't beat Buffalo. Buffalo's winning the division, so if you get right. in, you're getting in through the back door. And if you're a wild card team, people don't understand this that you have to play a division winner. So you're going right. to play either Buffalo again, see how that went, Kansas City in Kansas City, <clears throat> good luck, or you're going to play Cleveland or Baltimore in Cleveland or Baltimore. Or, or Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, week one. And I already saw it happen uh, against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Last yep. time we saw that, I'm pretty sure Matt Moore got carried out on a stretcher. <laughs> Bud that was a dirty hit by Bud Dupree, by the way. That pissed me off. But, no, you're right. And that, that was a better – like. I think two is a much better quarterback than Moore and Tannehill, but yeah. that was a better team, I'd argue, in the sense of like 
Jay Ajayi and stuff. Tua would kill for a guy like Ajayi right now. Yeah, we need a guy like that. Tua would be doing a keg stand for a guy like that. But it's I think defensively, Flores has it relatively under control. But I don't know what it is, Bobby. We get these coaches with egos, gasted the same bullshit, where they have one successful season and then they want complete control. And they're yeah. not qualified, in my opinion, to do it. Gay guys to the playoffs, and then he just dismantled that whole team. Was, and that's what makes no sense. And Gase, at least, and I don't like Gase. You know me. I thought he was a shithead. But uh, Flores, for everyone hyping him up, Bobby, he still hasn't made the playoffs. What has he's he had, done? He's had two good seasons. I mean, he. I like what he did the first year. Yep, 5-11. Yeah, I agree. Everyone thought he'd go 1-16. But, last yeah. year, I expected him to go 500 or better. And he Damn, did. I was 9-7 and seven and he exceeded my expectation. Yep. Um. But, like, at this point, now you're looking at getting to the playoffs, anything less than that, and I think you're failing. Yep. So. I just don't see the need for, and I know you're going to, uh, this is the one of, if it's just this big of a riff where Flores is really stomping up and down for Watson. I just don't trust them to make that analysis because as brilliant as Flores has been defensively, at least making it work with the resources on the defensive side of the ball and special teams, because our kicker is really good. Not that that was him. That was Frank Rizzi's last pick or Darren Rizzi's last pick before he left. Was, uh, I don't know. I just don't, I don't trust them to make that analysis because I don't think Flores, yeah, he wanted Herbert. Congratulations. You were wrong on like three other picks of the first round. Right. So you're really telling me if you had Watson, you would build an offense successfully around him? I would say no. He would just do the same shit he's doing the two of, like Watson makes something happen. Yeah. You know, and try to flex it. There was an idea I threw out there. Before I let you go, Bobby, I was going to throw this out there. And you can call me a dumbass, by the way. This is my, if Brian Flores, like, sat ass cheeks up on Steve Ross's desk and he got canned, what my plan would be. Um, and you can criticize it because it's going to be, it's a little harebrained out there. I would personally... And like I said, I'm not opposed to other ideas, but this is me just being so sick of the fucking defensive minded. And I like defensive coaches, by the way, but I'd be like, I would try to make it work with Tua. And what I would do is I would bring in Brian Dable from the Bills, the offensive coordinator. I would bring in Glenn Dorsey, who's his quarterbacks coach, who developed Josh Allen, and who also was a quarterback alumni of Miami uh, University of Miami. So there's that tie. I would whack Chris Greer. I would whack Brian Flores. And this is after like two years from now, or like I said, or if God forbid he does something horrifying, like, you know what I mean? Legal trouble to get fired. And then for the GM, I would promote on our staff, uh, Marvin Allen, who was the scout for the bills, had a scouting. He's the, I think third ranked GM now or assistant GM. I would promote him because they all three of them work together in Buffalo. And then, and Dable also coached to an Alabama, his freshman year. So that would be in your stealing from the bills. You're stealing Buffalo's number one play caller and quarterback developer. And who knows Buffalo? Now, you could tell me that's bad if it's like all offensive hoopla, if he's overrated. You know what I mean? But that would be one of my suggestions. That's not my only, but that was like my wish list of like it fits having a GM coach and offensive coordinator who all came from the same spot. Kind of mimicking what the Bills did with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They both came from the same company of Carolina. It's definitely wishful thinking. I don't know. (laughs) That's like, that's me putting on the spot. Cause for the record guys, I did not tell Bobby, I was going to say that one. So he had no time to think about potential coaches. Cause there's like 30 names out there. You'd have, I don't think, I don't think Flores is going anywhere. No, I don't either. I think it would take, I think Greer's on the hot seat though. Right now. Would you agree with that in terms of, I think Greer's more on the hot seat than Flores. 
Possibly. Um, but I don't believe in this half rebuild either. I feel like you got to go all in or not. You know what I mean? Like I hate when you, cause we did it for years because if you fire Chris Greer and bring in a GM, he's constantly going to be throwing Brian Flores under the bus. Cause he's going to yeah. be protecting his own ass. I think Flores has another three years left. If you can't get it done in three years, then it's over. Cause I just know he's got to learn to suck it up that you don't always get what you want. So I understand Justin Herbert's looking good, but I would also say this, Actually, well, sorry. They should have drafted him. They should have. And I know you were a Herbert guy, so that was uh, – they should have taken Herbert. And in hindsight, I could say it as well. But I, I also – like Herbert. You did like Herbert more than me. I was higher in Herbert than most people. A lot of people said Herbert was a shithead, like complete like third or fourth ranked. I had him as my second ranked QB. I had two and then him. I was not Who a – was the safe pick? He was the NFL ready pick. Yes, that's what I felt too. That's all people said. But – I mean, I watched him. He gets injury prone, and here we are. He's hurt again. Yep. And Herbert is stud. So he's good. No, like knock on him is winning games, but that'll come. They're still a young team, and they're building it the right way. At least offensively, they are, and they got a defensive mind, a head coach who they got from the Rams. But I, I agree with you. I think in hindsight, I'm not going to lie. I would take Herbert over him now, knowing what I do. But. Yeah. I think you're also in the same boat as me, though. I still perfectly think you can win with Tua. I think Tua's fine, but you got to build around him and you got to do the right. right things. Yes. And I, at the end of the day, if Tua wins you, it's just like the Eli Manning situation. Would you rather have Ben Roethlisberger over him in his prime? Yeah, sure. But Giant fans are just as happy because they still won two Super Bowls. Right. So if you could win a Super Bowl with Tua, I don't care if Justin Herbert does go on to be Dan Marino. Like, if you get a Super Bowl win with Tua, I'm happy as can be still. Even if it wasn't Tua doing it, I'd be like, well, we got one with him. You know, that would be my mindset. But like you said, they got to do it building with him. Right. And I know people are all hyping up Joe Burrow. Don't forget Joe Burrow. I'm like, guys, I that that's a whole other argument. I think Herbert's in a class of his own above everybody else in that group right now. I like Joe Burrow. I would have preferred him over Tua as well. He was out of the question, though, because he was first overall. That was the, we tried to trade up, but yeah, it would have taken I, Burrow holding I did like him, though. He was my QB three. I had him as three only because he was older, because he was twenty three coming in, and I don't. He had good talent uh, physically, but he wasn't the physical marvel Herbert was. So that's why I had Herbert a little bit over him. I had him over Jordan Love. That was for sure. I liked Jordan Love, but I'm like, damn, that guy needs to sit for like three years. (laughs) (laughs) Because he didn't. He like couldn't even throw a football right. So I'm like, he had the arm talent, but I'm like, ooh. But I'm all for Aaron Rodgers coming to Miami. That would be my pick if we're going to – that's why for people saying Watson, I'm like, that's the wrong question. If I'm Steven Ross, if Tua is not the guy, then I would say go Rodgers and go big, go all in because your team's ready to win. If At least you're Aaron Rodgers, you better give him the pieces that he needs in order to be successful. Oh, my – I somebody did a Madden simulation. My first, second, third round picks are all offensive. <laughs> right. It's all offensive linemen and running back, you know. Between there's so many good like and Miami's not going to because they they've already shown they don't take running backs high but it's like there's four good running backs in college that are playing right now and it's like son of a bitch Miami like go get one of them I don't fucking care which of them there's Brees Hall from Iowa State there's um, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M there's the kid from UCLA and then there's the kid from Minnesota who got hurt week two but was a stud like get one of those four fucking backs I don't care where you take them. Like, I want one of those four, but they won't. I, I'm already bracing myself. I mean, they could get a running back from Denver. They have, like, five of them. 
Yeah, they traded up in front of us and took one of them. <laughs> I yeah, think Philip Lindsay at this point. <laughs> I thought for sure we were going to, when we missed out, I thought for sure we were going to try to get Kareem Hunt from the uh, Browns. Kareem Hunt, you could get something from Denver. Houston has a shit ton of running backs. Uh, if they were ever healthy, unfortunately, they were hard. Baltimore at one point at three. <laughs> right. Baltimore had a lot. New Orleans had a couple, but they cut one of them. I was pissed we didn't sign Murray. I wanted Murray. Uh, yeah. Yes, because, yeah, is he older, like 33? Yeah, but he's a short goal line. That's what we need is a pound the table, get two yards running back. That's reliable, and that's what he was. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it is what it is at this point. I thought we were going to sign the kid from New England that got cut. The Rams picked him up or traded for him, Sonny Michelle. Yep. I wanted him. That was like the, the moral of the story is even the teams, because everyone always throws it in their face. And I'm sure you've heard it a hundred times, Bobby. Have, oh, New England doesn't. Guys, New England just spent a, like a first round pick. And a couple of years earlier, they spent a fourth round pick on a running back. They do invest in running back more than we do even. Yeah. And they don't even invest in running back. One could argue they've set Mac Jones up for more success than we have for Tua. And that's yeah. why Mac Jones looks decent right now. I'm not saying Mac Jones is awful, but. That's how you what New England did. If you were to swap Tua and Mac Jones, Tua would be playing better than Mac Jones right now. And everyone would be like, oh my God, look at Tua. He's good again. It's like, yeah, New England knows what they're doing. That's why. Yeah. I mean, they match their personnel to their abilities. So it's and Josh really McDaniel, simple. though he's a snivy shithead, he's a much better play caller than our bozos. Mac Jones. They just did quick passes to him all day. And heavy running drop long. It was just hit, go, hit, go, run. Like, that was good. Now, I'll give like him credit. Said, his voice. He took a couple of pops, and he didn't get rattled. He was fine. He like, didn't look rattled back there. That's what I do give him credit for. Even if he is a game manager, he's a poised game manager. He doesn't look shocked. He knows what he's doing. He also got Jacoby Brissett to win games. So, I mean, it's not like they know what they're doing. You just need to have the right cor- You need to have the right coordinator. Yep. And that's what I don't think we have, unfortunately. No, I still we have two ideas. For it. No. They need to get a proven, established guy, and no, not Chan Gailey. They need somebody like a proven guy. You know, I know the Panthers just did it with uh, what's his name, Joe Brady, right from LSU. Like you see it all the time. Teams do it if you're defensive minded. They give an offensive guy the reins, and vice versa. There's an offensive guy like right now. It's uh, what's his name, Andy Reid has handed it off to uh, what's it called, uh, Steve Spagnolia for defense. He runs the show on defense. He doesn't. Yeah. Look- I, that's why I want – I know people are saying, what's his name? I want the quarterback's coach from Kansas City for our corner. I want Mike Kafka. Yeah. Because at least they know what the fuck they're doing on offense. But, but no, that's all I had for today. If there's anything – is there anything else you wanted to add, uh, Bobby, for before we get out of here? No, I don't got anything. <laughs> it be a long year. Oh, my God. So, I think our records are about the same we predicted. I think, like I said, I had him at 10 and 7. But uh, yeah. that's around my prediction. It's going to be a long season because I think, like you said, we both said it. I don't foresee – as much as we just bitched the last hour about the uh, Dolphins line, I don't think they fix it. I don't think there is a solution right now, even there if they want The only solution, no solution is tighten everything down. It's not yep. hard. Simplify it, which they should do. I'm expecting against the Raiders. They run back to – they should be running two tight end personnel. And like you said, just let the rookies start to develop them. That's the growing pains, but at least they'll have help. At least they'll have extra blocking in. They'll have extra, you know, 
that's yeah. that's the solution short term while your guys develop and then assess it next off season and actually get some veterans in next year i agree you know and then make the because right now you can't even properly evaluate your quarterback position so at least if the offensive line was in place you can tell if Tua was the answer or not but right now one he's injured and two it's like even if he comes in if he has less than two seconds to throw are you really getting a good grasp on him right i don't know how you can evaluate that no so there's only two quarterbacks in the league who could make that work and one of them's lamar jackson and it's only because lamar jackson's fast enough to just start running as soon as it catches his hand <laughs> right. he's a good quarterback he's the only one who can make it work with less than two seconds yep and it's only because he would literally have to start running as soon as he touched the ball <laughs> Right. But all righty. But that's all for today. Thanks for everyone for listening in. Thanks, Bobby, for joining. Like no problem. We have. Yeah, no problem. And like I said, for everyone listening, remember you can go to Facebook page. We post it every Tuesday, Thursday. In this case, we'll be posting a day later. Well, no, I'll be posting Thursday by the time it goes through Apple Podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever the hell else it is. It'll be posting my Twitter too, at Mad Titan1018. Thanks again, Bobby, for joining me. And hopefully, Better luck next week for all, for both Dolphins and for good football games. Yeah, hopefully. At least the Jets suck. <laughs> There's that. So that's Luke our parting wish. There's only one Jets fan that listens to. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are Bills and Patriots fans, so they probably they feel the same way. So, yeah, at least the Jets still suck. Yep. All, all right. right. Have a good one, and thanks for joining. Yeah, man. See ya. Yeah.